0: 56th episode of the Baseball Eyes Have It podcast. I am your host, Chris Blessing. It was another soggy week of coverage for me, as is the spring here in Georgia every year. I got rained out on Tuesday and was only able to see the Houston Astros high A squad on Thursday night. I will break down some of those prospects, including Jacob Melton and Ryan Clifford, in my column this Thursday at the website for subscribers. And I am sure to bring a few looks to the podcast next week from that series because there was a lot of guys uh, in the Astros organization at High A. Uh, Always a surprise. You never know who's going to pop up in one of those series. And I actually had a pop-up name that I will definitely be bringing to next week's podcast. Today, I'm welcoming a guest on the show to break down some of his live looks at prospects in the California League. As I told my guests when I was given a a guest spot, a slot every other week this season with Brent moving more to a part-time host gig. Uh, This guy was one of the first people I thought of to bring on the show because he was out there at the ballpark scouting prospects, which is the purpose of the show. And that is what this show, you know, obviously is all about. So uh, we wanted to make sure we got him on. Glad we got him on here in May. Uh, I became a fan of his work while he was uh, writing. and He still writes for Prospects Live. Uh, He's also a contributor at Just Baseball. Please welcome
1: Reese White to the show. Reese, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Your your work is something that I've always looked up to. And when you asked me to jump on this, I was so excited to be on. I I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun.
0: Well that's cool. Game recognizing game. Uh yeah, I've been around way too long. Uh well thank you for joining me this week. And uh I I guess my first question when well, we have a guest uh that's uh you know not as known as somebody like uh Jeff Ponce who we just were kind of talking about off air, uh I try to mention Jeff uh every podcast just to see if he's listening. And he hasn't mentioned it, so I know he's not listening. So uh, <laughs> um how do you get started
1: in prospect coverage? All right. Jeff's a very busy man. Uh he's uh, he's always doing something. Uh but yeah yes. I got start I got started like oh I was like eighteen or nineteen years old. I've I've always loved baseball. I was never like very good at it. So I was just like oh maybe like writing about baseball is gonna be my thing. So I started this website and um then i was just like oh, i don't know what my lane's gonna be and then i was like oh, i kind of live near oh, this was when lancaster was the high affiliate for the colorado rockies so i saw Brendan rogers quite a bit and i fell in love with the my link side of the game i've always liked like paying attention to the up-and-coming stars like you know mm-hmm. i've grown up like bryce harper the super prospect steven strasburg with the most anticipated debut of all time uh, so I've always liked the come up and I've always wanted to cover that so that's how I kind of really got started and then I started writing around for a bunch of different places doing a podcast and then I got started uh, Jeff actually which to me for a prospect that I was really in, um, in love with at the time and Chris Bubich who just now became good and then got hurt uh, which was really fortunate <laughs> for me because uh, he's been bad for a long time but um, yep. yeah yeah and then I got started with Prospects Live and then it's all sort of taken off from there writing for just baseball which is really fun we did a we do a bunch of like content that also gets turned into TikToks. And it's a really fun place to ra- write and be at as well. Uh, I'm with Trevor Hoots over there as well, which is someone that you know really well too. Trevor's the man. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I, that's kind of how I got started and where I'm at right now. Yeah, we uh, actually have Huth on staff. I
0: actually just read his scouting uh, article from last week. I've been that busy that. Uh, he published on thursday and had not been able to read it i'm the director of prospect analysis so i've, I've got to get better at that uh, uh but yeah i i knew that huth was over there and uh you know when we brought him aboard we we knew he'd be doing work over there so uh check out just baseball everybody not just because uh uh reese and uh trevor are there but because there is some really good content it's a It's a site that I didn't really get to know until I saw a TikTok on it, to be honest. Uh, um, I'm just not on Twitter as much as I used to be, so I get to miss a lot of things. Uh, But TikToks, that's how I go to bed every night, listening to a TikTok or watching a TikTok. So, um, Well, for our listeners who aren't familiar uh, with your work, where do you primarily scout uh, the California League from? I know you mentioned Lancaster.
1: So, unfortunately, Lancaster was yep. one of those teams that got the cut, uh, which was probably good for every pitcher that comes to the Cal League because <laughs> that place was—it was an adventure. They used to do this, um, what do you call it, a promotion, where if they scored ten runs, you got free tacos from the Jack in the Box right across the street. And let me tell you, you got a lot of free tacos if you went to those games. Uh, but lately, I've been going to—I uh, have to go to Rancho Cucamonga, which is famous for like—if uh, you ever watched the show Workaholics, that's where that show is kind of loosely based out of. And then I go to Inland Empire, which is like in the middle of San Bernardino. The stadium itself is quite nice. The surrounding area is uh, kind of sketchy, but it's, you know, it's, those are the two closest teams to me. I think Visalia is also kind of close, but then getting there is kind of, a, kind of a hassle. So I definitely focus all my looks at uh, Inland Empire and uh, Ranch of Cucamonga. And Inland Empire is with the Angels, and Ranch of Cucamonga is with the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, I actually. My- one of my best friends uh recently moved from uh your area can uh, ridgecrest california um which is way out in the middle of nowhere from my understanding uh um was very happy to move out of that area um it was a high school friend from tucson that we've just kept in contact uh for so many years uh so like did you start scouting the California League when you were, when it was still
1: a high A division? Because uh, now it's low A, right? Yeah. So I started scouting when it was high A. Uh, I think it was right around that time. Like I said, Brandon Rogers was there. Ryan Rawlison was coming through Lancaster. There was also a team in Bakersfield, and Bakersfield also got axed a little bit earlier. And then there was another team at Atalanto, which the stadium's kind of a dump. Um, and it's just in the middle of nowhere, and I, I can understand why they cut that one. But yeah, it was high A. It was, the level of play was definitely a lot different than what it is now, especially with the whole condensing of the My leagues. Low A has become a lot less refined than it used to be. But I mean, not that it was super refined to begin with, but high A definitely felt a little bit more crisp. The games uh, were a lot more college and more older players, so it wasn't like 17-year-olds and six, uh, not, uh, 18-year-olds playing. So yeah, it was definitely an adjustment when they decided to change the levels. I
0: went the other direction. Uh, the South Atlantic League went from, high, from, high, from low A to high A. Um, so now I've gotten a more cleaner product. Uh, so like it's, it's not a fun league. Uh, it's not as fun of a league as low A because you, you're getting these wild, well, out there, wild west type of uh, prospects. Um, especially now with it being crude with, uh, a lot of, you know, with the pioneer league getting cut, the appy league getting cut, the Northwest league getting elevated to something else, the uh, all New York pen getting cut. Uh, so like, it's very interesting to hear about your experience there. Um, uh, especially like
1: with this league, uh, what is like the best thing about scouting low A? I think it's just getting eyes on all of these guys that haven't that are just coming off the complex and are starting to sort of just make their way through. I mean, you get the high like the high bonus like J two guys. This is their first stop, especially for some of the really good organizations. Like I saw Marco Luciano. I've seen all the Dodgers prospects. I mean, if I I feel like if I name one, then I'll forget a couple. So I feel like I have to just say Dodgers prospects in general. They're all really good. Uh, and then you know the Angels, they see all these young guys coming up. Uh, so especially where I'm at, I'm very lucky. That's where they also send uh, the Angels, will send their guys to go rehab So it's very close to Anaheim. And same with the Dodgers. So, I'll, you know, every once in a while I'll see Clayton Kershaw taking the mound. So, it really helps me calibrate what I'm looking to see. Not that you can compare everyone to a Hall of Famer and whatnot, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, and I've seen Mike Trout rehab plenty of times because unfortunately that guy's always getting hurt. So, hopefully, he stays healthy and he's one of the best of all time. So, but yeah, it's, um, I totally forgot the question. Now I got, I got on a little. Well, the,
0: yeah, you pretty much answered it. Uh, what was the best thing about scouting the league oh, yeah. or, the, or the level?
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting league for sure. There's a lot of um, it's a it's a quicker. It was, it was before Major League Baseball in, introduced the pitch clock, so I was definitely used to the quick pace of the games. Like you're getting in in two hours. It was quite nice. It was very very nice to go scout. But, Yeah, it's one of the. It's just a. A crazy, chaotic league is, I guess, the best way to put
0: it. Uh, speaking of a Clay, Clayton Kershaw uh, rehab, we had one in Chattanooga when uh, the Dodgers were double A there. I, I skipped the game, of course, because uh, for my purposes, it just wasn't wasn't worth yeah. it. I I like a a weeknight crowd. Like I'm going tomorrow night, uh, weather permitting, just because it's a weeknight crowd. I'll probably be there on on the weekend too, but it's. It's just so much nicer. Uh, it, it might make the next day harder, um, but it's so much nicer. Um, what is the most challenging thing about scouting this league?
1: These guys are so far away. They're at the lowest <laughs> level of affiliated baseball, and their bodies and their entire swings change multiple times throughout the, my league. So it's hard to, like, I'm like, oh, like Noel V I'm like, oh, I saw him in low A, and he wasn't as big, and, like, he wasn't as physical Matt, and, and as he is now. And I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen all these guys. And it just takes me a second to readjust because I'm used to what I've seen with my eyes. And these guys are totally different than what they, what they end up becoming, the finished product. Do you think that helps you? I think it does. It allows me to uh, develop a baseline for what, I, for what these players can be. And, you know, you can see some of the flaws. I mean, I've noticed that the pitching in the, in the league is not the best. Like, it never you don't get the advanced college guys because they skip right up to high A for the most part. So you definitely see a lot of crazier pitching. So you can at least see if the guy at least knows not to swing at a pitch in the other batter's box. So I think that mm-hmm. definitely helps to develop that that um that skill and what to look for in that area. But yeah, it's definitely it's a challenging league. I, I think the only way it can we get any more challenging is like the Arizona complex or the Florida complex or even even worse, the Dominican complex. I can't imagine trying to scout those games.
0: Yeah, I, I've done some. Um, I haven't done any complex. Well, yeah, I did a complex game. What am I talking about? Did a complex game in Florida. that got banged after three and a half innings. Uh, that was not not a fun thing. Don't don't scout uh, for anybody who wants to do this. Don't scout Florida on a trip in August. It's not a good idea. Um, try to do it in you know at the beginning of the instructs in June. It just doesn't rain as much. My whole trip it rained the entire time and it was like banging from once like okay we're headed down to um uh, Bradenton and up oh, the game's been rained out and right then it was also some of the complexes were closed because of covid outbreak so it wasn't really the best best time uh, uh that was really free out in Florida so uh so yeah it was it was a challenging time but scouting the um instructional league. I've done that a few times and specifically the Dodgers instructional league. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about Dodgers prospects a little later in this, uh, in this article, but it, it is amazing. As you said, how many prospects that they've had come through there. Um, but it is diffi- It's difficult to scout there because a, you don't know if anybody's go, everybody's going hundred uh, percent. at least you've got that going for you there. Um, but the crudeness of every player is so evident. Um, uh, there's not advanced guys usually in structs. And if there are advanced guys in, in structs, it's usually because they are injured um, and or, you know, rehabbing from an injury. And so you're not necessarily getting, um, you know, refined players. Uh, it's It's the closest league complex is the closest league to amateur scouting. You're not far behind. Actually, um, you, because a lot of the guys and a lot of the guys that we're talking about today are either guys that were seniors in high school last year, or are guys that could be seniors in high school right now, um, and they're just in pro ball because of the you know their path to to baseball. So let's get to that, and we'll get to a guy who would probably be in high school right now here in the states, uh, Samuel Zavala outfielder for the Padres. Uh, Actually, Trevor Huth wrote him up for our site a few weeks ago. Um, 6'1", 175, 18 years old, left-handed hitter. Uh, He signed for $1.2 million out of Venezuela um, uh, January 2021. Uh, You know, that's the new date for free agent signings. He is currently slashing in the league 247, 389, 392. Three home runs and five stolen bases.
1: This is his second turn in the league. Um, and did you see him last year? I didn't get a chance to see him last year. Just the way the schedule broke, he was always. It seemed like he was up north, and that team, that uh, like Elsinore, yeah, like Elsinore team was always up north. When I was like, oh, I'm going to go out to go see a game, and I was like, maybe maybe he'll come through. I didn't get a chance to see him. Yeah. I did get a chance to see James Wood and Jackson Merrill, which was pretty awesome. That is um, pretty yeah. good. Uh
0: well um and, and by the way, like James Witt is awesome. So and, and Jackson Merrill is too. So that's some pretty good looks. Uh well let's just go into this. Uh tell us about your
1: look at Zavala. Okay, so Zavala, he is someone who he kind of reminds me almost of Luis Matos and Hedbert Perez a little bit in that similar vein there decently sized they have the power is a lot more projection at the moment than i think actualized game power he savala has um a really good eye at the plate but it's also mixed with very interesting and aggressive swing decisions that lead to the sub some suboptimal contact contact on his part that's why he's taking 247 i mean he can make contact with the pitches but sometimes the pitches just aren't ones that he should be he should be really swinging at like these these pitches that are almost in the other battered box, it feels like. But he can get to them because he's got great plate coverage. He's a phenomenal athlete. He can move really well. I think this is a no-doubt center fielder. I mean, depending on team construction and everything, he might have to move to right or left, depending on how San Diego or whatever team, because San Diego's a really competitive team. That's They're one of the few teams that's okay trading prospects, it feels like. So he could move to right or left, but I don't think it really impacts him too much. He's a really good base runner as well. He shows like good jumps and he's a he's a he's a really quick guy up there. And I think it's gonna be a really fun watch to see how these swing decisions against more advanced pitching. Um how what the results end of that becoming.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, just watching him off video, uh, because I don't have the budget to go out to California. Uh just watch it I think it's very um evident, uh, just the very Quick, very whippy swing, uh, very short compact. You know, doesn't seem like uh, there's really much. uh, Thank, thankfully for Josh Norris, uh, spring training got some side views of him. That's always key. I love when guys post side views of guys because it makes makes my role so much easier. Kind of, I mean, I try to do the same thing. I try to give back as well uh, with with the guys in my coverage, putting putting a few of them on Twitter as well. But um, you know, I. Again, the, the thing I saw, and I, I watched three games on video this, uh, this evening, uh, like he has such an incredible ability to get to uh, contact um, on pretty much anything that's thrown within a, a given range. Uh, I, I always find it very hard to scout those guys in the sense because you're looking for a, a, a improvement. You're you're not necessarily, you're trying to throw out that aggressiveness. And I've seen a lot of hitters do that. Um, you know, one of my earliest scouting looks was at a, a high contact prospect, Christian Betancourt, um, who it took many years for him to finally figure out which ball, you know, which pitches to hit um, and not be as wild uh, as he was. I mean, it's still a terrible approach even today. Um but it was always trying to look for growth.
1: Um have you seen any growth growth with Savala in, in that regard? I have. I've actually seen that he's it seems like the um the his swing decisions have gotten a little bit better as the season has gone on. Cause he's came in like I saw him early in the season and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this guy is just going up there and like swinging one, two, three, like he's going up there with an idea that he's going to swing and then it feels like he sort of reined it back a little bit. I think he's, you know, become more comfortable with the caliber of pitching and understands what to look for a little bit better than he did even in the beginning of the season, which wasn't that far, far, uh, wasn't that long ago. So he's definitely made some very minor strides, but I think right now making minor strides is massive for someone like him. Uh, Where do you see his power going? I don't really know if he's going to be anything. I don't, I think he'll like struggle to get the 20 home runs, like 15 to 18 home runs is like what I kind of project him out to be. Okay. Cause like,
0: uh, you know, in some of the video packages there, there's at least two, two home runs he's hit that, that were pretty substantial exit velocities, uh, you know, just, just by the naked eye kind of thing. Um, it, it, the the swing looks a flatter plane swing, right? It's not there. There's not much of that. So um, the the one thing I will caution my kind of people when they they see this guy, because this is a guy that a lot of our folks have been talking about. Um, it's an interesting thing. A, a kid who was 17 last year, 18 this year at full season ball. And we sometimes get way too excited uh, about a guy that's performing like this. I, I, I feel like your scouting report was very fair in the sense that it wasn't you weren't overselling him. Um, but I always like to caution the people that are listening to this to, you know, there's all there are art there are people in our our little thing that would oversell uh uh on base percentage at 389 right now. Um and, and be like, oh, you know, this guy this guy is is taking pitches. Uh again, as you said, the pitching in low A is so I mean, you didn't use the word terrible, but I'll use the word terrible. Uh, It's terrible. It's (laughs) It's really rough. Um, So, you know, a guy that's uh, maybe tops out of 20 home runs with some speed uh, and some contact skill and maybe some developing uh, patience. I mean, this is this is this guy a
1: top 100 guy for you. I think he would be and he'd be towards the back end for me right now. I think he's got what I'm looking for, for a top 100 guy. Cause he's also a really good center fielder. Like he can go out there and go get it. Like he can, he's not going to be like a gold lover, but he can definitely be an above average center fielder. And that along with his offensive exploits is definitely enough to put him on that sort of list.
0: So I needed to know, um, I, I had him just inside my top 100, uh, um, right now i've been i've been starting to um, compile vine because i i finally have gotten time to watch video on guys uh this year um so yeah I, I to me it sounds like from your report that he is that from what i've seen with my own eyes same thing uh let's move on to another padre's prospect and a guy that got i think considerable first year player draft hype Uh, last year even though he did not make his debut last year and that's uh, Robbie Snelly a left-handed pitcher uh, 6'3", 210, 19 years old uh, 2022 draft pick CBA 39th overall um, from a Nevada high school he was a two-sport guy um, and kind of just blew up his senior year on the mound Uh, and that's how he Got to where he is today in a San Diego Padres minor league uniform. Uh 26 and two-thirds innings pitched so far, 27 strikeouts, 1.39 ERA, 0.94 whip, 100, oh, 100. <laughs> 157 batting average against. Uh, Stelling has been really impressive thus far, just you know, from that stat line in his pro day view. Tell us what you saw from Stelling your live look and how. Um, and where he's headed towards, because, uh, I mean, it's a pretty impressive pitcher, especially looking at him from video.
1: So you can definitely tell that he's a very athletic like person, like just in general. Like You can tell that he at least excelled in other sports, because he is just—the way he moves on the mound, it's just refined. It's not very clunky. It's very smooth. He is— he like he doesn't like fall over too much when he's when he's landing there's some grace to the way he pitches which is very nice very aesthetically pleasing his curveball i think definitely is his best pitch it's it could be like a future plus pitch it is it is wild and the way that he can command it pretty all right for someone so so young is impressive i mean he has 27 strikeouts he definitely gets swings and misses with the curveball the fastball is pretty electric as well it moves it has some like okay like okay movement towards like top of the zone but i think he's definitely like i don't think he's a 98 that he was touching in high school but those are like one inning spurts um showcase type events he's like he looks like he's settling in more 93 to 95 which from a left-handed pitcher is definitely impressive in, a, in its own right he's definitely got more command than i think that he was built build with and having he's definitely just one of the more impressive pitching prospects i've seen in in quite a bit actually because this level doesn't get a lot of really really high caliber pitching prospects uh so he's and just the fact that he's doing it so young really like makes me think that this guy could be pretty pretty all right i made the note
0: here um high energy um high pace i guess high pace high energy delivery uh but hits the mark every time um Usually when you see a guy that uh usually like nowadays everybody's so cookie cutter they almost have the same pacing to them. He has a quicker pace, but he gets to the balance point he balances himself and it's so clean you can really tell he's uh, he's he's an athlete he's a very broad shoulder guy too um and like I could see a lot more power coming his way as he develops um uh, into that size so like this is a perfect guy you know already six three two ten and we're trying to project him out size wise okay where do you see his body going with his athleticism yeah we're probably going to have an athletic uh you know athletic build like he's it's kind of funny he does look like more like a football prospect than almost a baseball prospect on the mound
1: he does. He looks like if he was going out there, he could go be like a mean X receiver for uh, Alabama or something like that. He's just that smooth out there and he's just that big. I think there's like, you know, maybe another 15 or so pounds or whatnot of muscle because there's, there's definitely some room to add some weight. And I, I definitely notice the high energy and high tempo that he pitches with because like the couple games that I've seen and the games that I've went and seen him, he's like, He's part of the reason that these games are moving so quickly. I was at a game that he was pitching at, and him and the other pitcher, he was pitching for pitching against Inland Empire. So it was like Angels prospect uh, was like it was an hour and fifty six minutes. These two were just going, and they were moving quickly. Nice. And so it was it was beautiful. It was it was fantastic. I love I love these quicker games, especially now that it's starting to get hot out here. Um, I don't want to be sitting out there uh, sweating sweating my butt off in hundred degree heat in the in the middle of San Bernardino and whatnot. But yeah, he's definitely just—he's—he's such a good athlete. Like I don't—I—I do not think people realize, like the average person realizes, that how good of an athlete he is, and how that'll help him develop with his command and everything, and how that'll help him with his stuff later on down the road. Uh, Did he throw any changeups? I didn't really see a lot of changeups. He was very fastball curveball because they—I don't think he really needed the third offering against the um, Inland Empire lineup.
0: So, like, with uh, scouting changeups, this is, uh, you know, this is a classic case of somebody that you're going to assume is going to find a feel for something like that. Uh, And with his athleticism, it shouldn't really be a difficulty for him to throw one. So it's just a matter of how good that pitch is. But he's going to most likely probably mimic uh, his fastball delivery once he has to throw it more often, which – Usually comes around double a, um, you know, I'm not as familiar with Padres prospects as I once was. I used to drive up to Bowling Green when they were in the Midwest league to scout. I I think I've scouted Fort Wayne three or four times. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately because I would have never seen Camonero last week, uh, Bowling Green moved down to the South Atlantic league. So, um, There's no more Midwest Leagues uh, looks in my future unless I fly up there. Uh, Last one was Lake County. So, uh, again, like this is a kid watching him on video. It looks like he's really kind of ready for the next spot, uh, next place, uh, which is high A, like I said, Fort Wayne. Um, What's an ETA on Robbie Snelling? That's
1: a good question. I think like twenty 2020, twenty late twenty twenty five, early twenty twenty six. Like if you want to get aggressive, late twenty twenty five, but it kind of just depends. The Padres will ramp guys up and move them quickly if they feel like they can help out the major league squad and they're in a competitive window. So I I, I want to kind of hedge my bet and say twenty early twenty twenty six. Maybe breaks the rock. Maybe breaks the maybe breaks the, yeah. maybe breaks the team out of camp. So that'll that'll be how I hedge my bet. Yeah, that's uh, that's true about the
0: Padres. They're willing to to drive people up, uh, fast, like, like they did with Ryan Weathers. I mean, Ryan Weathers came on hot and heavy after being drafted in a, in a very similar, uh, situation. I mean, granted he was a bloodlines guy, but he was a guy that, uh, coming up to the system pretty much dominated his, his level, his assignments, even though it might not have looked as, uh, aesthetically pleasing as Snelling. Um, and. Of course, Weathers wasn't that very, wasn't very good for the Padres, and they did call him up. Uh, so uh, go figure. Um, well, anyway, this is a perfect time to take a break and hear from Patrick over on Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, eyes have it, listeners. PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition, featuring an expert interview with Paul Sporer from Rotographs and the Sleeper in the Bus podcast discussing the process and analytical foundations of his daily starting pitcher notes. He'll also analyze last week's Fab Run and this week's Fab Run, including his boons and Banes for the weekend. Plus, we'll have all the usual great stuff, news analysis with Ray Murphy from BaseballHQ.com and our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Paul Sporer, available now on this week's Friday full edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. And I sure hope you can join us. Thank you, PD. Don't forget to tune in to the award-winning Baseball HQ Radio at your favorite podcaster. Log on to BaseballHQ.com and look for the Baseball HQ Radio widget, uh, which I believe is above our widget at this point. Maybe someday uh, in the future, uh, which I doubt uh, we'll get ahead of them. Um, but that ain't happening probably anytime soon. So anyway... We're done with our Padres looks. We're now moving on to some Dodger looks. Uh, Max Bruins uh, was a big-time prospect in the Southeast, uh, more so in like 2020. Uh, 2019, 2020 was a name that got thrown around a lot. Uh, 2021 draft season, he kind of lost some luster, and it was really kind of surprising that he ended up in the first round. Uh, Talking to contacts in Alabama, uh, given that I'm here in the Southeast. They had him more as a second to third round talent, uh, but they all kind of look like fools because everybody has such respect to the Dodgers uh, uh, when they took him in the first round. Uh, you know, maybe they saw something that other people did. Uh, Bruins was uh, Bruins is currently listed as a left-handed pitcher, six foot two, 205 pounds, 20 years old, again, 21 draft pick first round out of, Alabama I think in the Mobile area uh had a really rough 2021 did you see him during his 2021 season
1: I did get a chance to see him and he was oh. rough it, the command was crazy it, it was the, he couldn't get the fastball going and then he was having these really high like pitch counts for like three innings spurts, if he even got to even if he got that far felt like he was always getting pulled like two and a third two and two-thirds, and it was like, oh, okay, this was, this guy was a first-round pick, like, kind of, like, surprised me. And then you're like, oh, this is the Dodgers. This is really weird they are doing it with this guy. The stuff is obviously fantastic. Like, when it's on, it's pretty electric stuff on the left side. But, yeah, it's definitely – my first look at him last year, I was like, who is this – like, why did a team think that this was a first-round caliber player?
0: Yeah, I saw Miguel Alola last week from the Astros organization, high A pitcher and like it might have been some of the worst command I've ever seen from a top prospect. I mean it was bad. Uh like I knew I was going into a three hour plus game anyway because uh they were piggybacking him with Alex Santos uh uh who can't uh throw strikes uh with his life depending on it. Uh so I totally understand what you uh what you had to experience with Bruins uh last uh last season. Uh so far this year uh he just got called up to high A. Uh, total combined 24 and two-thirds innings, 35 strikeouts, 2.55 ERA, 1.18 whips. So obviously uh, the walks have come down a bit, Um, uh, 149 average against. uh, After such a wild start to that pro career, uh, even though the walk numbers aren't the greatest, let's just say that out loud right now, Uh, it seems like Bruins has found the semblance of some command and some control. Uh, do you think this is for real, or do you see something else maybe contributing to him his improvement this year?
1: I it feels like he's having a more consistent release point when he when he pitches now, and like or not release point like landing point. And it feels like he's not like wobbling as much from last year. It just felt like he was going up there and just trying to throw. Like he was just going up there and like just trying to grip it and rip it and not really trying. You know, work on the subtler things about pitching that makes pitching a beautiful art form. And it just seems like now he's more—he's landing in the same spot more consistently, and I feel like that's allowing him to be in a consistent spot when the pitch comes out. I mean, he's also—and I think that's really helping him because he's now pitching like deeper into games than he did all of last year. He was not going in; he was not touching the third inning. Now he is. Now he's touching the fourth inning. Now, which is—you know—they're still kind of—you know—keeping the training wheels on him but they're allowing him to go a little bit further. and It's been a welcome improvement. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, uh, what is his pitch arsenal like? So he's definitely like fastball slider. He mixes in a curveball. There has been some change-ups that I've seen. I saw him last year. The change-up looked really not that sharp. He's definitely someone who he has the fastballs electric, and it's just easy velocity from the left side. The slider is crazy. Like it's got good movement and the curveball's also really, really sharp. I think even with if he just has those three pitches, he can definitely work his way through a lineup once or twice. So he's definitely got that for him. Just if the command ever takes another step forward, I think then we can be talking about a totally different prospect, and a different caliber of prospect as well.
0: Yeah, I mean there's many guys that are like him that uh have great stuff. And don't ever put it together um, in since this is a fancy podcast. and I know that you do, you do do some fancy work over at uh, just baseball. Um, ranking out a prospect like this, where would he be a guy that's in your top 400? Um, or is he a guy that might be outside of that top 400? Um, given his skill level and also, um, you know, his issues with command.
1: So he would definitely be someone that I would put in my top 400. He's definitely, like, I'm working on some, actually, like, a big prospect ranking here soon. I'll I'll plug that later. But he's someone who I'm like, you know, you have to keep the upside in mind, but you also have to really note that there is some some significant command issues that could rear their ugly head again. So he's definitely someone who I'd definitely place in there, kind of as, like, a flyer lottery ticket type. And if he explodes, great. If he doesn't, then he's just another, unfortunately, just another pitching prospect that didn't work out and couldn't find the command.
0: Yeah, that's always sad. Um, uh, I mean, watching uh, Alola uh, last week, um, I mean, it was kind of like the same thing. Inconsistent release point, inconsistent landing spot. Um, But it it was weird. His crappiest pitch, his changeup was the pitch that he was landing because he was actually concentrating on it. Uh, he was actually making that attempt, and, and that's always kind of a hard thing when you're watching watching a pitcher, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that look. I really don't, and I'm sure that you felt the same way with uh, Bruins last season. What do you do with that? You probably saw some some excellence uh, for a pitch or two, but then it was like, oh, my God, just start strikes.
1: Right. So, yeah, that's like one of those things where if I put it on Twitter and I only show – the, the really good parts of him people are going to think this guy's pretty good but no one saw that he was like struggling to throw the fastball and was almost hitting guys so it's like one of those things where uh you know kind of just depends i know if you mentioned there are some people who would only post the positive parts of him and don't want to mention the negative parts, which is unfortunate because i think i think people that don't put as much time as you and other people um i think those people need to know that there are negative aspects of players like maddox bruns so yeah i, I don't want to be taking shots at people and um specifically but like yeah it's something that bothers me
0: i mean the worst thing that can happen is somebody tell you that you're full of crap i mean i i mean that's what it comes down to or have a family member tell you that you're totally wrong about it's about their son getting to uh never getting to the big leagues uh i'm not going to name the prospect but uh there was a twins prospect back in the early uh, 2010 2011 range that i got that sort of i think it was 2011 2012 that I got a nice little note about how wrong I was and he got to AAA and was really really bad in AAA uh um but like that's the thing it's like you, you got to be honest about guys you can't just overlook stuff and then be like oh and and not talk about him again a lot of people just don't talk about him again so um i'm i'm glad that you got to see the the bad and the good of Bruins because i think that uh is a better story than just seeing the good um move on to the next guy uh a guy that i had no idea who he was uh until you mentioned him this morning uh i actually reached out to a scouting contact of mine because i saw he was from a high school that i thought i was familiar with and then it turned out it was in north carolina not in georgia uh which was very embarrassing with the scout uh thankfully he knows me well enough and um, probably kind of thought the same thing. He was like, I haven't even heard of the guy, and I've heard of a lot, pretty much everybody in the Southeast. So uh, when the Dodgers kind of took this kid, Peyton Martin, in the 17th round out of uh, North Carolina High School, that's the 525th pick of the draft. So, um, you know, I, I've been scouting a few guys in the 20th round of the last few days, uh, not anybody with any sort of buzz. Uh, this guy has a little buzz going for him. He's six foot 170. He's 18. It's a righty, obviously. Um, 16 inning pitch so far this year, 15 strikeouts, a .56 ERA, a 1.19 whip, and a two oh four batting average against. Uh, he's making a name for himself because of this incredible start. Uh, uh, what did you see in your scouted appearance that, uh, that made you excited about Peyton Martin? Why should we be excited about Peyton
1: Martin? I think you should always just like if you like run spreadsheets and whatnot, you should always just put a little tick on there like for Dodgers prospects. And especially ones that are young for the level like he is. He's eighteen years old. He didn't spend any they didn't even try to delay him. They just threw him straight into uh single A and was just like you're gonna figure it out from here, you're gonna figure it out in Cow League and the chaoticness of this league and everything that goes along with it. And he's performed really well considering that he, you know, is so young, he's eighteen years old. I mean there's 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 gonna be kids that are drafted this year for the high school ranks that are older than him so it's kind of impressive to keep impressive for him he's you know 16 innings he does not he gets the maddox runs treatment of last year it is very very short spurts but he goes out there throws goes a really nice fastball it's topped out of like 97 he's got a good slider he's working on a curveball and changeup. i actually did get a chance to like talk to him like i there was a media event that the uh, ranch with the Munga team had and I got a chance to talk to him a little bit and I wanted to know like about him I was like why is this 18 year old kid just wandering around and and then talk to him and he's he's, he's, a, he's a good kid but he's uh that doesn't you know sway what I think of him as a player he's got like this like curveball that's starting to figure it out I think and it's got like some good shape it's got some good hump on it it's distinct from the slider too because a lot of those guys. The worry is that they can tend to blend in together and become more slurvy and not, like, be two distinct offerings. It is definitely a really good offering for It's going to become a really good offering for him with the right organization that he's in. So he's definitely someone that I'm super excited about. I don't know if I'd rank him in the top 400 prospects, but he's definitely someone that I think should be starting to get a little bit of buzz because he's, he's going to be really good, I think.
0: Watching the video. Um, so... Kind of just going on a little thing for our listeners um, about amateur guys that are taking this late. Um, it's usually signability, and I don't think it's signability with this kid. He signed for $125,000. Um, and then it's also whether you see a guy as a starter or a reliever. Um, I've helped out multiple organizations. Um, usually a high schooler that's taken this late that signs, um, there's not that fear that if he doesn't become a starting pitcher that, um, you're, you're okay with drafting. So they drafted the skill, they drafted based on the pitches. Uh, it's, you know, looking at that delivery, uh, just watching it very quickly. It was, um, it was, it had a very reliever feel, um, to it, um, uh, high pace delivery, but it didn't, it, it, it's almost as if he kind of rushed through uh, his mechanics. Um, He's throwing strikes. I don't know how his command is.
1: Well, how do you feel? Well, where do you think his command's at right now? I think it's like projecting it out. I think it can probably get to like below average, where you know, it's still kind of rough for a starter. And I agree, like, you don't take a 17 round guy and expect him to stay as a starter. And he's definitely got like a more, like you said, relievery, um, like delivery. It's, it's, it seems like he's still just trying to figure out the more finer points of pitching. Like he lacks a lot of like the nuance and like that comes with like like I said the art form of pitching. He's definitely someone who's going up there and just throwing the ball and it and it's working for him so far. So the hope is that with this with all this coaching that he's going to have the Dodgers organization, that he can really like fine tune the command a little bit to maybe to where if you really want to be optimistic, it gets to average. But I don't think it gets to that point.
0: Yeah, he was he was an East Carolina commit, not a bad school. I mean, we're not talking about. Uh, you know, high major, but a, a school that has consistently put out uh, pitching specifically. Uh, so uh, a guy that wasn't maybe necessarily as highly rated, uh, I'm looking at his perfect game uh, page right now. They had a perfect game grade of eight on him. Uh, usually guys that are drafted are nines and tens. Uh, so maybe not a guy that excelled at the showcase, kind of got picked up because, uh the Dodger scout was scrappy and went and saw him because he was an interesting arm that he had some intel on. So, uh, good scout for whoever that was, whoever signing scout was. Um, our final guy is in the Angels organization, a guy that's had some considerable, um, considerable buzz around him, uh, also because of his age and also because of his skill level, uh, and that's Nelson Rada, uh, outfielder, uh, Angels. 5'10", 160, 17-year-old left-handed hitter. He, I think I read somewhere that he's one of two 17-year-old hitters in full-season ball right now. Um, he was a big signing uh, January 2022, $1.85 million, Um Was kind of the talk of, uh, if got to talk to any Angels uh, coverage scouts, guys that were covering the Angels, kind of was the talk of Arizona last year. Um, specifically at the Instructs. Um, He's a very exciting player, and obviously has done well uh, considering age. I mean, the the line's not the greatest, 223, 362, 268, uh, but he does have 13 steals uh, as a 17-year-old, as I said, in full-season
1: ball. What are your thoughts on Rada? Yeah, he's someone who I think has like some power projection because he's so small. He's listed at 160. He's the one of the more thin prospects I think I've ever seen. He's going to be, right now, the carrying tool is really the speed. And I think what he can go out, go out and do in center field, he's got like maybe a plus glove when it's all said and done. He's got a good enough arm, but he just doesn't impact the ball yet. But I think that'll come. He's 17 years old. He should figure out some power as he adds more grown man strength and everything to his game. His swing is fairly linear, so maybe he'll have to tweak that as well. But I... I definitely think this is a quality prospect to keep, um, keep in the back of like a list because he's gonna be he's gonna ha- end up having like I think twenty to thirty stolen base potential with maybe like who knows with power maybe he becomes a twenty twenty guy but I, I can't really project that out because it is so far away for him. Yeah, you've got to like squint uh, when you're looking at
0: a guy like this, and it really, truly, it takes, you uh, know. Um some uh, moxie to really uh, project a guy out. I, I even know some pro scouts that, that would probably only put a four on the power on somebody like this, because you just don't know where it's going at this point. Uh, I watched some video of him. I mean, I pretty much agree with you. It's, it's a very hard to, to see where this kid is going. Uh, you know, it, I would almost want to know some family information. I would want to know what his family looked like, uh, if they were late bloomers uh, into into their bodies or, or, or stuff like that. I mean, that's that's something that a scout in uh, Venezuela probably did a lot of work on to make sure uh, when they threw one 100, point uh, eight five million dollars on on this player. But I think it, I think what jumps off the screen about him is athleticism, as you said, like. There's there's tons of athleticism. Um, so if he's able to, you know, get stronger, um, get more refined with his swing, um, the athleticism is really going to carry his skill set. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I th- do think he does have some present, like, back-to-ball skill as well, which is quite nice to throw atop of the athleticism. It's just how much impact does he make when he, when he's at maturity with baseball?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, like you said, he's somebody that you would put towards the back of your list. Uh, Do you have any concerns specifically, and uh, this is putting you on the spot, really, um, about the organization he's in
1: developing him? Oh, I always have concern about Angel's prospects. They are um, weird with the way that they treat prospects and everything. He, I just don't know, like, how they handle this sort of body. It's an unconventional approach to a prospect i guess with someone so young so physically like behind his other like just this like he doesn't look like a professional baseball player he looks like someone who's just like wandering around high school which i guess he is at 17 years old he'd be like a high school junior or a, like a, a really young high school senior so yeah. he's definitely it's definitely concerning that the angels are the team that um are going to be handling his development
0: yeah. I mean,
1: and, and they have, they
0: love these toolsy guys so much. Uh, and just haven't had the success all the way. I mean, they got Joe to Joe Dell to the major leagues, but like even then, it's just these athletic dudes all the time.
1: Uh, he looks so and, different than when I saw him as a prospect, by the way. He was this athletic freak when I saw him. In uh-huh. And then now he's like a corner only guy, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we were we were talking about somebody, a, a scouting contact of mine, who started out as a as a hit, athletic guy, and now is a corner three outcome, three true outcomes guy. It's like, what the heck? Where did the contact go? Why couldn't the contact stay and the power come? You know, like those things. You just never know. But like watching watching the Rockin' City Trash Pandas, the Double A team, it's I mean, it's one of the worst. Like they, they, it's like all right. Edgar Cuero comes up second every inning, uh, you know. Like every, every, you know, he's their second hitter, I should say. Um, and then you take off the rest of the time because you're getting Jeremiah Jackson looks and you're getting uh, um, uh, Kevin uh, uh, Matt Payne, uh looks, and they're they're just not pretty. Um, they. I mean, considering how how much money they spent on a lot of these prospects, none of them for none of them to develop uh I love that they went after Zach Neto uh specifically last year, uh even though I didn't get to see him before he got uh, called up to the big leagues. at least they realized they needed to get at least one finished product uh on that uh, in that organization because I mean, it's sad um. I get to scout them again in a few months or a few few weeks, I should say. So uh, that's never a fun thing going to see Angels prospects. So uh, let's go to our next uh, our our final uh, feature here,
1: and that's our what's on tap. What do you have on tap, uh, Reese? So I'm going to be going out. I'm going to be keeping an eye on when. Cole Young comes to town or Ooh. comes to, close to town. I'm so excited to see him. I keep seeing all the stats and everything, and I, I you know, all of it was as a prep product. And he just keeps making contact and hitting. It's, I mean, not he doesn't have any home runs, but I think this guy is going to be like a really good defensive shortstop. Like maybe he becomes like similar ish to what the Mariners already have in JP Crawford. But I mean, if you get a JP Crawford, that's pretty. That's a pretty good outcome for Cole Young. I think there's more upside for that. I am definitely looking forward to... I was, I was kind of bummed when Carson Wisenhunt got promoted. I was like, oh, I didn't get a chance to see him. I wanted to see that double-plus change up because you don't see a lot of those in the Cal League. I I also am just excited to see, like, Chris Newell of the Dodgers. He's, like, another late-round pick from the University of uh Virginia, which is always a good place to go, and like take guys that can totally refix them because they have to read some <laughs> baseball. It feels like they have to learn a whole new game. That like it's like you might as well drop them off and like the Dominican, tell them to learn Spanish that way. It's like it, it is crazy what the UVA does, and they keep doing it too. It's like uh, I was like I, ca- I can't pay attention to UVA prospects anymore. Like who's the guy in the draft right now? Kyle Teal. Feel bad for that poor guy. He's gonna have to learn a whole new language when he gets when he gets drafted and signed. Although he'll get a nice paycheck out of it, so I like, guess not too bad for him um and then let me see who else is in area coming through uh drew jones maybe if he comes back from this quad injury and let me tell you that dude some of the video i saw before he got injured no it man look, it it did not look like someone that you uh built your entire draft around and got really hyped about maybe like i don't i don't i don't know man it was, it's it's that's that swing isn't synced up uh i really want to see him though like i'm trying to like I'll take a whole week off and just go see him. That's, like, that's how bad I want to see this guy. Because, like, you know, yeah. the, the tools in center field probably comes in just from his bloodlines and everything. he like, can go out there and play center field with his eyes closed, like his dad probably tried to. He just, that swing is so bad. I really want to see what happens with the with the um, Diamondbacks because he already had his shoulder surgery that every single Diamondbacks highly touted prospect has. So he already had that. So, yeah, that's definitely who I have on, on tap right now.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I... I'd... Georgia coverage Drew Jones wasn't this last year I I think it has a lot to do with the injury I think he was rushing back uh and and maybe got out of sorts I'm at least hoping that's the truth uh because like he was really good I mean you talk to every scout here and they can't believe that it fell off that badly um Like, literally, every amateur scout here that I've talked to, I've talked to about a dozen of them. Just can't believe that it's fallen off as as much as it has. Uh, My what's on tap in theory is Biloxi, uh, the Biloxi Shuckers, the double-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Jackson Churio, who is currently one of the guys in the conversation for the top overall prospect, is there. Uh, I also have Jefferson Cuero and Carlos Rodriguez, who's – A guy that has really done really well this year, Um, and of course in the Southern League, you don't know if it's a guy that um, is enjoying the grips or is not liking the grips. Like it's it's such a night uh, hot and cold thing, and every game I go to is a adventure there, Uh, and shouldn't be in Double A. Double A should be the easiest thing I scout, Um, and I also see Tyler Black. I say in theory because uh, the forecast is probably worse than last week. Uh, and that's just the the problem here in the South. So I'm using in theory instead of I'm going to these games because I just never know. Well, anyway, uh, Reese, thank you for joining us on uh, this week's episode of the Eyes Have a Podcast.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to plug? uh go check out i do a dynasty mailbag at just baseball i write the daily sheet for prospects live i've got a big prospect like ranking that i'm working on for just baseball i feel like i'm always busy i'm always watching my league games trying to you know get better and hone, hone my craft and then i'm trying to watch the vi- watch some video as well so i can keep an eye on everybody because i can't just only focus on the Cal League. but yeah that's really what i got going on
0: yeah, I, I'm i only focusing on my content right now that I'm here. Uh, the, I use the month of June of watching basically strictly video because usually by then guys come in a second time. And unlike the low A when they're coming from the complex, uh, most of the time guys are staying in double A. And guys are staying in high A. And uh, I'm not going to get those second looks that early um, um, at, at teams. so um i i go to the videotape in june and then put together my list usually uh, but i started this week cuz of all the rain so hopefully that uh that doesn't um happen this week with such good looks in town uh brent will be back next week to co-host uh um our 57th episode uh we'd love to hear from you You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to me on twitter i'm at c underscore blessing what is, it, what is your handle
1: you can follow me on twitter at race b white so uh, the b is capital and so is the w and white and so is the r in Reese. there you go
0: uh first time listening to the eyes have It podcast click subscribe to get our future episodes please rank us Spread the word about us, too. May everyone out there have a great week. Reese, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Take care, everyone.